This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. It has been talked about for a couple of months now, but it became official yesterday that Elon Musk was going to merge two of the companies in which he holds a significant stake, electric car maker Tesla and solar, solar energy company Solar City. The merger price, $2.6 billion. It is seen by many as a bold move by Mr. Musk to try and boost both companies with each other's technology. But will it be a successful one? We ask that and more of Wharton Professor John Paul McDuffie, who's also director of the Program on Vehicle and Mobility Innovation at Wharton's Mac Institute for Innovation Management. Also joining us, uh, Joshua Gans, who's professor at the Rotman School of Management in Toronto. He's also chair in the Technology, Innovation, and Entrepreneurship Program there. John Paul, Joshua, great to have you on the phone. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Great to have you. Uh, I'll start uh, this for a question for both of you. John Paul, with you first. Do you think this move is going to be a successful one? Is is that your belief? Or is this could be this uh, a little bit of trouble for, for Elon Musk? Well, Elon Musk is uh, known for big bets, uh, compelling visions, and uh, very much a long-term view. So this is clearly in that uh, in that category. Makes it really hard to predict uh, success or failure at this stage. Although we can certainly see pros and cons. Um, one thing I'll note is that, unlike almost every other announcement from him in the last few years, this one made the market very nervous. And some of the analysts and investors who followed him most faithfully have raised concerns about it. Uh, Some of that uh, initial apprehension seems to have faded a bit from the initial announcement up to the day that the deal was announced. But, uh, you know, I think there's perhaps a bit of concern that not every move he makes will bring the same enthusiasm that his Tesla moves have made. And does this begin to erode some of that almost automatic support? Joshua? Uh, I think uh, this is a very interesting move. It's clearly very consistent with Musk's world vision of what he's looking to do in the uh, environmental technology space. Uh, You know, showing that you can have an electric vehicle that people want to purchase is a useful start. Uh, But ultimately, um, you're not going to have an impact on climate change and other things unless we start working out how to uh, distribute solar energy and other things and make them far more ubiquitous. Uh, And I think what he saw there was, you know, it's not just about the car. It's about using the car to bring these sorts of energy sources into the house. So then what do you think is going to be the the impact uh, on Solar City? Uh, because we're, we're at a time where solar is becoming a little bit more affordable. Uh, we still probably don't have the adoption levels that, that a lot of people would like to see across the United States. Uh, and having whatever level of technology that Tesla will bring to the table, what, what do you think will be the impact on Solar City? So I think uh, that this is a marrying of uh, uh, two good brands. I mean, the one thing that Tesla has is uh, relentless focus on the customer. Um, the adoption of solar has similar challenges to, with it. Uh, you know, Solar City was premised on the turnkey approach. That is, you want solar in your house, we'll come and we'll do it all for you. Right. Uh, and they probably noted that the people who were the earliest adopters of that solar technology were the same people who were buying the Teslas. 
So why not do uh, the two things at the one time uh, and start to, uh, you know, and start to exploit that synergy and also start to design products with that in mind? What do you think, John Paul, is going to end up being the effect on, on Tesla where this is concerned? Well, I mean, I think there are some immediate advantages you can see from uh, pairing the two up and uh, and the synergies that uh, Joshua described of uh, the same customers being served in a new way, I think, is, is very much true. Um, you know, Tesla just got all of these uh, deposits on the Model 3 showing a great deal of enthusiasm for the cars. Yeah. The cost of acquisition Solar City has faced for new customers has been relatively high. If Tesla can help Solar City convert more of those car buyers immediately to Solar City buyers, that's a that's an immediate advantage. Solar City is going to start building its own solar panels, um, and uh, Tesla is of course uh, working to scale both car manufacturing and battery manufacturing at the Gigafactory. So that's something they can be uh, developing skills in together and you know right away there's a way for tesla to counter claims that the electricity that goes into electric vehicles is not clean if it comes from dirty fossil fuel sources and so here a given customer can really control that by making sure the energy going into their vehicle is 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 from the sun mm-hmm. um, you know i think the big risk and and i would regard this as the biggest risk is just that it's a perhaps a bit of a distraction for Elon Musk and his management team to try to pull off this integration right now. Uh, the Bringing the Model 3 to market in a time that's close to when it's announced so yeah. that these 370,000 folks who put down a deposit of $1,000 will be uh, satisfied and he'll keep this very positive public impression and strength of the brand is really hard. Um, people for years have been saying the real challenge for Tesla will come uh, whether they can scale uh, to a successful mass market car. That's not just mastering manufacturing, it's mastering supply chain, it's yeah. mastering distribution, aftermarket service, all kinds of things. And so it's uh, uh, it's one of the biggest challenges of that company. Now this gets added in as a possible distraction. You Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm not sure that their idea is to build a uh, full uh, you know, car company in the traditional mold that you just described. I think actually, if you, the, you know, Elon Musk is very good. He shows you his work. Uh, he w- lays out the uh, his master plan, and his master plan, uh, you know, that included this pitch for Solar City, uh, was all about changing the model of uh, the car in society, in particular, moving away from car ownership towards what he saw, you know, autonomous vehicles and Uber-like service and other things like that. Now, in that world, you need far fewer cars in number because they get utilized more. Uh, And and also, it's a world where you don't have to worry about all the sorts of things that uh, were described, such as um, uh, after-sales service and other things like that. It's a very different product. So... It's not a distraction if the plan is as he laid it out in his uh, uh, new second part of master plan. It is a distraction if you believe he's going to build a, a new replacement car company. And I guess what the market got nervous about is all of a sudden he said, no, we're not doing that. Right. John Paul, how much, I mean, obviously the story uh, a few weeks back about uh, the Tesla Model S vehicle, which had an accident or was involved in an accident, uh, and uh, the 
the auto drive feature did not disengage, uh, we still have that uh, pretty much in play, and that's going to be a factor, I would think, over the next several months and could be could have an impact on the success or failure uh, of Tesla to some degree uh, as we move forward here. Yeah, I, I think it's another big issue for Tesla to be addressing at a time when a lot of people are focused on it after that fatal accident. And um, that's another huge and difficult area. I completely agree that he's got his eye on the long term, but I guess I would say that he can't get to the long-term vision without successfully making it through these next few stages. And they've announced a goal of selling 500,000 vehicles. In 2015, they sold slightly less than 50,000. So that's a tenfold increase. Uh, he's not going to be able to back away from that until he achieves it, I don't think, um, given how much uh, resources are bet on it and how much the investors are, are watching that. So he may be able to get to the vision of a future with fewer cars, with car sharing, with autonomous vehicles. I, I'm sure that's, I know that's part of his vision. But um, I'm not sure that he can really count on getting there unless he surmounts all of these challenges in the meantime. The one other thing I'd say is uh, Elon Musk does seem to have steadily shown a taste for vertical integration. Mm-hmm. And whenever he's run into a difficulty with a supplier, for example, hasn't been happy with a component, he typically wants to bring it inside. A recent development uh, is the Israeli company Mobileye that made yep. some of the sensors and cameras for uh, the, the, the Model S and the autopilot feature. Uh, just broke off. Well, who knows who broke off the relationship, but that relationship has ended. Tesla says, we don't need them anymore. We'll make the chips and the cameras ourselves or the sensors ourselves. Um, that pattern repeats itself over and over. So, you know, there, there are good reasons for vertical integration, and there are um, perhaps some disadvantages, as we've seen many companies move away from it. Joshua, there's also the fact that uh, that they're in the process of trying to build out that, that battery factory out in the, uh, in the southwest, in Nevada, uh, which, you know, that's a process that's going to take a little time. But still, uh, how much would that help out the process of both of these companies, do you think? Oh, I think that's probably the likely to be the key here. Um, solar energy and wind power and other things that are renewable like that, the big flaw is uh, that sometimes you generate the electricity at a different time to when you need it. So battery technology is currently the way in which we shift that across time. And so, you know, uh, obviously being able to build the world's largest <laughs> um, battery plant, uh, you know, can fall to service both those masters. I mean, one, one option is that even if, uh, the electric, even if uh, batteries in electric vehicles aren't the way of the future for some reason, uh, batteries uh, being used to um, exploit solar energy may well be. So, you know, while it's a little early for a, a startup to think about diversification, uh, at least from the point of view of thinking about what will that factory be used for, right. this provides another option. What's interesting is that uh, he recently, uh, I guess they had a tour of the site where the Gigafactory is going to be out in Nevada, and he was basically telling the media at that point that, oh, oh this isn't going to be the only one. He probably plans on having Gigafactories, I, I, it seems like, on almost every continent around the globe at some point. Yeah, he would have to because, uh, you know, th- this Gigafactory despite being big, can only produce so many batteries. I, I heard a figure of, um, you know, batteries to supply 1.4 million cars a year, which is really still 
peanuts in the sort of global uh, metric for that. So, you know, uh, this seems like something that they're going to push forward to. But of course, you know, there are costs involved. There are costs of the resources that are required to do batteries and things like that. And I, yeah. I do wonder how that will play out. The other part to it, I guess, uh, John Paul, it's interesting, is the construction timeline uh, for that factory. And uh, a couple of articles showed pictures of uh, aerial pictures uh, of that gigafactory, and it's w- about 15% done, and they've been going two years on it. So realistically, if you keep that timeline, it you're still probably another five to six years out before that factory's probably done. Yes, it's, it's one of the interesting uh, questions that's hovered over uh, Musk's strategy for Tesla right along. So, of course, he started at the luxury end, and he started with very small volume vehicles, and as I said before, the Model 3 is the first big test of scale. Uh, building this gigafactory at scale is another uh, huge challenge. And, and what has often happened with uh, Musk's goals is that he does achieve them, but the time slips. And the time slipping hasn't been a big problem with the, the Roadster, the Model S, the Model X. Uh, we'll see if how many people want their deposit back if the Model 3 is delayed. We'll see what happens to the economics of batteries if the Gigafactory is, is delayed in its, in its launching. But I'm, I'm sure that it will happen. It's just a question of when. Two other small, uh, I think, intriguing features uh, out of this recent interview. He's saying that the future Gigafactories will also include the car. So, again, shades of Henry Ford and the River Rouge and, right. and uh, vertically integrated uh, from, every, from, from beginning to end. And I think another interesting feature in the uh, solar energy and uh, just general electricity area right now is uh, states that had agreed to buy uh, excess electricity from homeowners who were generating their own, uh, some of those utilities have backed away from that changing the economics for some of the homeowners who made the investment in the solar panels. It's not as attractive to them. Uh, A nice part of the pitch that Tesla can now make is, look, we're going to give you a huge home storage battery. If the utility is not going to buy your electricity at a favorable rate, you can store it longer in our home battery and then sell it at a time that's more favorable. So there's features of this that are, I think, very attractive to the customer, the homeowner who wants the whole package, who wants the energy at home, the ability yep. to store and sell to the grid and the electric vehicle. Um, and Musk wants to build that group fast, and we'll have to see how fast it grows. But seemingly that's a that's kind of a move that a lot of companies, not just necessarily Tesla, but, but a lot of companies are trying to do. You, you think about some of the uh, the entertainment companies that are out there, the cable industry, Comcast, you, you know, these companies are, are not getting just involved in, you know, providing you your cable TV service. They're providing you your Internet. They want to do home security. You know, the, if if they can cover 15 bases with one company, they're going to do it. And seemingly that that's a that's a good philosophy uh, uh, of potential for Elon Musk to go after. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the interesting, again, questions is whether in which of these areas does Tesla have a big advantage over incumbents because it's putting the pieces together in a different way, is freed from old ideas of how to do it. Uh, It appears so far that their electric vehicles have done a lot better than most automakers' electric vehicles. Uh, But again, at this mass market point, we'll have to see. Same thing with uh, solar energy 
The turnkey approach has helped Solar City be the fastest growing of those companies, but there's got to be a whole bunch of competitors who are going to go after that space as that market grows. We are joined on the phone by uh, John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School and also, also Joshua Gans from the Rotman School of Management in Toronto. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. What, what are, Josh, in your mind, maybe the, the potential pitfalls that, uh, that, that Mr. Musk could be facing here in the, in the months and maybe the next couple of years uh, in terms of combining these two companies? Oh, well, I think there are um, uh, quite a few. Uh, uh, you know, the whole idea is premised on this plan that, you know, there are, uh, there's likelihood of synergies, there's likelihood of getting the gigafactory up, there's uh, um, uh, the notion that Solar City might be some sort of market leader and being able to enter into houses and all of those sorts of things. And, you know, as with any innovation, there are, is uncertainty about it. For all we know, um, uh, there could be a better way of doing all of this uh, that others are pursuing. I mean, mm -hmm. we know the incumbent car companies, for instance, are pursuing a myriad of different ways to have uh, um, cleaner, um, cleaner vehicles, uh, you know, all the way from hydrogen cells to also electric vehicles to hybrids, etc. Those might be the way to go. The plan, as he laid it out, is premised on the idea of changing car ownership. While that is a, a, an attractive notion to think about from an economic point of view, the notion of owning a car has always had other characteristics associated with it, and so we don't know where that will lead. Yeah. Musk is also talking about you know, having things like a bus and a semi and entering into other parts of the road transport infrastructure. That's a whole other thing. You know, is that important or is that just a sideshow? We don't know. Is he putting too much on his plate, though, in your mind? I mean, this is – you have to be ambitious a lot of times if you're going to be successful, but is there a tipping point in your mind? You know, uh, I think we've learned over the years that he's not a normal human being. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that he's CEO of another company – SpaceX, which yeah, is, you yeah. know, uh, let, let's, <laughs> you know, that's literally rocket science. So <laughs> I, I think, I think, uh, you know, it, it is not a matter of trying to, to, to second guess, you know, is he, is he purely focused? He isn't. That's his characteristic. Um, but he's come very far uh, uh, pushing away all the doubters. So, you know, let's take him on, on that one. John Paul, how about you? Yeah, well, the, the, the distraction risk that I mentioned earlier, I think, is is a concern. And look, we can raise questions and speculate about it, but the real impact there may be on investors uh, who and analysts who have been very enthusiastic. At, if he starts to lose their enthusiasm at some point, that would um, hurt them in terms of you know their ability to raise capital, the brand, the the sort of marketing that they get without doing any advertising, uh, all of that. And he may be at greatest risk of losing the investors who aren't as bought into the whole clean energy vision, but they have more liked his success at a business model they understand, which is the automotive business model of come up with a terrific product design, sell it well at profit, and you know, move on and repeat. Uh, I agree that's not his full vision, but that yeah. may be a piece of what investors have been, uh, have been backing. So, <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I think uh, it's 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 hard to to count him out because he's been successful a number of times. Uh, but the advantage of focus, I guess, from my point of view, is I would like to see what he could do with this autonomous driving uh, part of the vision of the future, coupled to electric vehicles. Right. He's probably gone furthest to try to pull those two things together. Apple's much-rumored car project is, uh, I think if people don't know much about it, but they do know it would be an autonomous, self-driving electric vehicle design. Right. And I think we're going to see those two sort of technological and strategic thrusts come together more places. He's out in front of it. If he were kind of focused on that, I would think he has the prospect of going further because there's a lot of struggles overcoming consumer concerns, overcoming regulatory concerns, uh, and the like. But maybe he's going to be able to attract the talent from the respective areas of expertise to his company and motivate them to do great things. He does appear to have some leadership capabilities that translate internally uh, to uh, getting some tremendously dedicated effort from some very smart people. He also doesn't hesitate to fire them and bring in new folks when he feels like things aren't going his way. What about uh, the you mentioned the 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 ability of Tesla to be successful because of the number of Model 3 vehicles that they have pre-sold. Uh if they don't hit that timeline, what's the impact you think on Tesla itself, not even necessarily on on his overall operation? I don't think it's going to be that big an issue. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'll disclose, I, I, I put $1,000 down for one of those vehicles. Uh, it's an unusual way to buy a car. It doesn't exist. It's coming in years' time. I, who knows if I'm really going to actually need one. Uh, I, I suspect that, uh, you know, it, it, the people are, are not treating it like an angry Kickstarter campaign where if the thing doesn't turn up on time, right. they'll be shouting. Um, Tesla also, you know, they're offering, you know, they'll be quite happy for people to uh, relinquish their deposit uh, when the time comes as well because they just aren't going to supply supply that many. Well, know, knowing that, that you, you did uh, make a deposit down on that, what was it that, that sold you? on wanting to have a Model 3? Um, basically, it was, well, actually, it was the, you know, I'd driven in a Model S, um, but actually, I don't need a car, uh, you know, I don't need a car that expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that in a couple of years' time, we would be thinking of uh, turning over our current car, and I couldn't imagine, uh, having had that experience, that I wanted another internal combustion engine. And so that's why I put the money down. Uh, that's obviously something that uh, I, you know, it's probably a similar story to to a lot of the people that uh, that did make those deposits. Uh, and it brings up the question of, of adoption of electric vehicles here in the United States. And, and John Paul, we're still, you know, we're still seeing it as, as some people will dip their toe in the water, but we're not, you know, even close to there being a level of, uh, you know, of of great success for this. This avenue of the of the auto sector right now, as a category, electric vehicles are still extremely small, and they're not growing as fast as uh, many proponents hoped. Uh, the Nissan Leaf is the largest selling electric vehicle in the world. It sells in a lot of markets, and it is at that mid market price. <clears throat> they released a new model with a bunch of improved features, including much longer uh, driving range before recharging the batteries, Mm -hmm. and sales have actually dropped like 15, 20% in most 
markets, which is extremely discouraging um, to Nissan. Uh, so, and of course, gas prices have been low. There's several uh, features here, maybe uncertainty about uh, future subsidies. So, you know, Tesla has been the exception uh, to the general rule that most predictions about electric vehicle sales are proved to be over-optimistic. I don't think there's a bright line of failure that can occur for the Model 3, and I'm glad for that. I, I agree. If it's delayed a bit, people will uh, they'll take back their deposit or they won't care. Yeah. If it, the price rises some, uh, many people will still stick with it. But some combination of those things, uh, and if the quality isn't extremely high, you know, if it's late, way more expensive, has quality problems, um, has problems being serviced, I mean, they do have to find a way to service these vehicles somehow, whether they do it third party or bring it in-house. Musk often wants to bring things in-house. So, uh, look, I, I, I want Tesla to succeed, and I want the Model 3 to succeed, and, and so I hope... Uh, that that concatenation of problems doesn't occur. But yeah. um, I see the risks because it is so far outside the scope of what they've done well so far in manufacturing a car. Thank you both, uh, gentlemen, for joining us here on the show today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, our pleasure. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 